I think it's important that we uh, think about that word, and we'll discuss it just a little later, but before I present this lesson today, I would like to remind you of some things that things that are happening in our world. I want to remind you that there are a great, vast difference in people today in our world, but this is nothing new because people have always been different. Uh, there are people today who are Christians, and there are many who are not Christians. There are people who truly love God, and they love their fellow man. And then there are those people who feel that they do not need God in their lives, and they do not want to help their fellow man. Really and truly, people will always be different in their thoughts and in their ways. So this lesson today will be about people who wish to pattern their lives after Jesus Christ. And sadly, it will also be about those who are really selfish and only care about their own selves. But I want to assure you this morning that the main topic of my lesson today will be about Jesus Christ and his service to others. Also, this lesson today will be about our Lord's teaching and the life that he lived while he was on this earth. So back to my lesson today, humility. Well, someone might ask, Bob, what, what does humility really mean? What's the meaning of that word? Well, I looked it up, and Webster says that it's a person who is willing to show kindness. It's also a person who will have sympathy for others. He also says that it's a person who is humble. Yet somebody might ask me, well, what does the word humble really mean? Well, folks, this is a person who knows his own defects. He knows his shortcomings. It's a person who is modest. Yet someone might ask, Bob, what does it mean to be modest? Well, folks, this is a person who has a quiet and humble opinion of their own selves. But sadly, in our society today, such teaching about being humble is sometimes a picture of a person who is spineless. Sometimes it's a picture of a person who has no backbone. Sometimes it's a picture of a person who will not stand for anything. Sometimes it's a picture of a person who will cow down to anyone and everyone. But folks, I want to assure you this morning that this is not what being humble is all about. Because being humble really is a lowly estimate of our own selves. And really being humble is also an awareness of our true state in God's sight. It is also rooted in a sense of gratitude. It's rooted in a sense of reverence, a sense of need, a sense of need for God in our lives. It is also the response of a heart awed by the greatness and the goodness of our God and our Creator. Now, folks, it is people who know their own weaknesses, and they also realize that they need help with their lives. Now, surely we can all agree that this past year, uh, we saw a great outpouring of love and support. You remember when we had all the hurricanes and tornadoes in America this last year? We saw people helping each other, probably like I've never seen before in my life. And, and really and truly, I thought about this a lot. I was truly impressed 
by people's kindness during this time, how they took the time to help each other. A lot of people left their homes and stayed for weeks in uh, Florida and Texas to help these people. And I really believe this proves to me that there are still many, many good people in our world today. But sadly, folks, there are some today who think that helping others is really not their responsibility. And some believe that being humane to others is not needed in their own personal life. They often say things like this, well, let the government take care of that. that that's why we pay taxes. And then they say, well, let the church do that. That's their responsibility. Now, people, we do have an obligation as Christians to help people who are in need. But thank goodness, think about this. There are still many good people who really want to help those who are down and out. And sadly today, those who truly believe and, and also practice the notion that in order for one to get ahead in this world, you must be aggressive. In other words, they say that you must take advantage of every opportunity you get, no matter who it hurts. In fact, many of the best-selling books, they outline the proper strategy for looking out for number one. And many of the slogans that we hear today on television, it encourages people to live only for today and don't be concerned about the future. They will also tell you to live it up because you earned it. They will also say, nothing is too good for me or nothing is too expensive for me because I really owe it to myself. Now, folks, the most proper slogan that we hear today is, I did it my, my way. No one helped me. You think about that. What are these people thinking about? Don't they realize what their parents did, how they sacrificed to help their children to have a better life than they had? Don't they think about the good teachers that took time to help them with problems and encourage them to further their education? What about all the godly people that helped us? I know of many in my life that's encouraged me before I became a Christian. They took the time to pray for me, study with me, and show me what Christianity is all about. What about our wives? What about our husbands? Many a good wife has led their husband to the Lord because of the life they live. So my question this morning is, could it be that maybe... Some of us have become a lot like the rich in our Lord's day. Could it be that maybe, just maybe, some of us have put our trust and our hope in the material things of this world? Well, let me ask you this question. Are we really like the wealthy in the Lord's day who spared no expense in serving themselves and sometimes flaunting their possessions? Now, folks, it seems to me that more and more people today are only concerned about the things that affect me and affect mine. And today, there are many who, in our own society, who are so proud of themselves that they can't help but brag about themselves. And really, some will not hesitate to tell you just how great they are. You don't have to be around them too long before that. they'll tell you that. But, folks, let me say this. We don't have to brag on ourselves because if we do good 
people will know it. And more importantly, God will know it. But I have a confession to make. I do suppose that some of us are guilty of boasting to a certain extent. You know, we boast about our children. And what about those special grandchildren? We can't help but brag about them. And uh, we talk about those of us who are sportsmen about our fishing, the big fish we caught, or our golfing, or our special sports team. And then sometimes we talk about the success we've had. So we really had to be careful about that. But let me say this once again. Where true greatness is, no boasting is necessary. And really, folks, the only use that God has for an arrogant, self-centered person is to use them to show his great power. In fact, we know that God did this many, many times in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. Let me give you some examples this morning. Do you remember the story of proud Pharaoh and how God used him to show his great power? And do you remember proud and boastful Herod who was smitten by an angel? You might say, why? Why did this happen? Because he wanted to be thought about as God. He didn't give God the glory. This is found in Acts 12 and 23. And then there's a story of the Pharisee and the publican who were praying in the temple. This story is found in Luke 18, verses 10 through 14. Well, the Bible tells us that the Pharisee went home unjustified. You might say, why did he do that? He said a beautiful prayer. Well, he really thought he didn't need God in his life. And then there's a sin-confessing publican who was received. And yet he was rewarded. You might say, well, why did this happen? Because he confessed that he was a sinner. He knew that he needed God in his life. And he, he knew that he was an humble person. Now, folks, I truly believe that of all the teaching that our Lord did while he was on this earth, it was his instructions on humility and service to others that really inspired men at that time. But it seems like today the one thing that least likely stirs up the imagination of modern men today is his teaching. Because it seems like today that his instructions on humility and service, it simply falls on deaf ears. Well, why do I say this? Well, it seems like most people today are simply too busy to take the time to help others. Let me ask you this question this morning. What did our Lord do when his disciples wanted to know who would be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? How did he answer this question in Matthew 18 and 4? Well, he said, Whosoever shall humble himself as this little child, the same will be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. He also declared that a single cup of water given in his name would never lose its reward. Yes, folks, our Lord exalts those who are willing to humble themselves under his mighty hand. Now, folks, we need to realize that it is humility that enables us to do the lowest and meanest of tasks. Because we have many examples of great people in the Bible. People who never thought they were too good to serve others. Let me give you some examples. King David, the greatest king of all time. A man after God's own heart. 
Yet he was willing to be a simple doorkeeper in God's house. And then there's the martyr Stephen, who was a powerful preacher in his day. Yet he gladly took the time to serve the penniless widows in Jerusalem. And then there's Apostle Paul, the greatest author of all time. Paul helped pick up firewood to help warm poor shipwrecked sailors. You know, Paul didn't think he was too good to help. He didn't wait for them to wait on him. He did his part. In fact, the Apostle Paul helped a poor runaway slave by the name of Onesimus. In fact, Paul cared so much for this poor slave that he made him the theme of the book of Philemon. Folks, surely we can see that it was humility that enabled the king of kings to identify himself with the least, the lowest, and the lost of the community of that day. And really, folks, it was our Lord's obsession with service to nobodies that stirred the imagination of ancient men, and it does the same thing to some people today. Folks, people of that day were awed by this quality that our Lord showed because they had never seen anybody like this before. You see, our Lord took time to heal the sick. He took time to cause the blind to see again. He took time to cast out demons. He took time to help the poor and the downtrodden of that day. Folks, our Lord did not discriminate. He wanted all people, and I stress all people, to be saved, and he wants that very same thing today. Because in Matthew eleven and twenty eight he said, Come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. But because of his love and his service to nobodies, especially sinners, he was often criticized. He was criticized for being meek and lowly, and many times he was persecuted. He was also criticized for attracting the very dregs of the population of that time. Now folks our Lord ministered to beggars. He ministered to slaves. He ministered to peasants. He ministered to the downtrodden of that day. In other words, he ministered to the ragtags of humanity. But let me say this, folks. This is important. Our Lord does not leave them the way they come to him. Because he fashions them. He transforms them. Giving them back their self-respect. Enabling them... To have hope and be able to stand on their own two feet. Enabling them to have confidence again and be thankful every day for his love, his grace, and his mercy. He also lets them know that God does love them. And he lets them know how important they are to him. Now folks, if you don't get anything out of this lesson today, I want you to remember this. Our Lord came to this earth to save sinners just like you and I. And really, folks, it is humility that enables us to do our work for the Lord while passing through this world, sometimes unnoticed. In fact, many of God's greatest servants, they've labored in the quiet corners of this world, unknown and sometimes often unapplauded by many for their tireless work that they have done. In fact, we know of many tried and true ministers who have devoted themselves for years and years teaching people about Jesus Christ, laboring 
for the Lord going about doing God's work. Folks, I'd like to say this. There are many Christians today who are not elders. They're not preachers. They're not deacons. But they have devoted themselves for years and years quietly serving the Lord and trying to do His will. Now, folks, let me say this this morning. We are truly blessed here at this congregation at Saudi because we do have so many godly women who do so much to make this Saudi church such a loving, caring congregation of God's people, and I am truly thankful for this every day of my life. I want to tell you a story this morning. You might, I might have told you this story before in one of my classes when I used to teach, but I think it needs to be told again. It's a story about a badly abused farm girl who lived in the Squatchie Valley. This was years and years ago. You see, this lady did not have an ideal marriage because her husband was often mean to her. He really didn't even want her to go to church. He didn't want her to take the children to go to church. But in spite of this, she stayed faithful. And she gave the world a great gospel preacher. A preacher who brought many souls to Jesus Christ. His name was Brother T.B. Larimore. He was a great gospel preacher during the Restoration period. I want, to, I want to ask you this question. Have you ever noticed how many of the great nations of this world, they tend to identify themselves with ferocious animals, animals who are strong, animals who are powerful. They want to look like they're a nation that nobody would dare uh, bother. We have several examples here. England is symbolized by a lion. Russia is symbolized by a bear. China is symbolized by a dragon. And even the United States of America is symbolized by an eagle, one of the greatest birds. But folks, think about this. Our Lord is different. He's likened to a lamb who lives only to give himself to others. I have a question for you this morning. Do you remember what happened on the night of our Lord's betrayal? I'm sure many of you know this story, but our Lord took a towel. He poured water into a basin for the purpose of washing his disciples' dusty feet. Now, really, at that time, that job was done by a servant or maybe a slave. It was not done by someone of any stature. But that's precisely what our Lord did that night. Yet in six weeks, he would be seating at his Father's right hand, far above all principality and power, having all authority in heaven and on earth. Yet that night, our Lord was found on his knees in lowly service to others. Folks, once again, let me say, where there is greatness, no boasting is necessary. Now, folks, let me say this today. I truly believe that there is only one way for us to find the happiness that we need. And that's by humble service to both God and service to mankind. Because Jesus said the first great commandment for man was to love thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. And the second commandment was to love thy neighbor as thyself. He said that we should do it to others as we would have them do it to us. He said the humble shall be blessed and the lowly shall be lifted up. 
He said, the meek shall inherit the earth, and the servant of all will be the greatest of all. He also said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs will be, for yours will be, is the kingdom of heaven. He also said that we're to forgive each other, even as I have forgiven you. I want to make a comment here. Don't you agree with me that this is needed in our world today? I don't think in my lifetime I've ever seen so many people mad at each other, griping about things, not willing to forgive each other. I really believe that this time people need to make a change in their life and be willing to forgive each other. Now the Apostle Paul reminds us who are Christians that we're to work walk worthy of our calling. And this is found in Ephesians 4, verses 1 and 2. You might say, well, how should we do this, Paul? He says to do it with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. Now, folks, it is humility that enables us, who are Christians, to find favor in the sight of God and also find favor with mankind. I want you to think about this. As I get older, I'm sure... I think about this more and more. The only thing that we will possess on the day after our death will be our service to God and our service to mankind. Because Hebrews 6 and 10 says that God is not unrighteous to forget our work and our labor of love. In fact, Romans 12 and 10 tells us to be kind to each other with brotherly love in honor preferring one another. Folks, we can show humility by serving others. And really, we should be willing to do that. Why should we do it? For the perfecting of the saints, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And really, folks, we can be assured of our salvation. You might say, how can we be assured? By obeying the gospel and remaining faithful to our Lord. Because Galatians 6 and 9 tells us, do not be weary in well-doing, because we will reap in due time. This verse also says, as we have an opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them of the household of faith. Folks, I know that we should make every effort to get along with everybody. But I do realize that sometimes that can be difficult. There's people in this world that it's hard to get along with. So, sometimes it's better just to not say anything and maybe go on about your business. But, Romans 12 and 18 really gives us an out. He says, if it be possible, as much as life in you, live peaceably with all men. So, try to get along with everybody. It's the best way we can do. Now, could it be that sometimes we forget to take the time to encourage our brothers and sisters in Christ? Could it be that the only time we think about them is when we see them here at our worship service? Could it be that we think that, well, somebody else will take care of that because we just don't have the time? Could it be that we're just too busy to make a visit? Could it be that we're too busy to take the time to call them and find out how they're feeling? Could it be that we're too busy to send them a personal card to encourage them? Now, folks, we need to let 
Our brothers and sisters know how important they are to us. We need to let them know that they are part of our family. We need to let them know that we want what is best for them. Now, we also need to realize, sometimes we don't realize this, but even God's people have problems in their lives. Sometimes it's marital problems, sometimes it's family problems, sometimes it's health problems, sometimes it's financial problems. But folks, we don't need to take each other for granted. We need to be there for each other, and we need to remind them often that God did send his son to this earth to save us all from our sins. We need to be sure to let them know that we do love them. Now, before I close this lesson today, I would like to talk to you about a subject that is very dear to my heart. It's about God's plan for concerning men to oversee the work of the local congregation. Now, we know that God intended for men to, who are elders to oversee this work because we have examples of this and also qualifications in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and Titus chapter 1. In fact, the Apostle Paul left uh, Titus at Crete for the sole purpose of ordaining elders in every city, Titus 1 and 5. Now, folks, I want to say this in all kindness. I truly believe that each congregation of the Lord's church needs good elders because the Lord's church is just as strong as its leaders. This is why I want to give you some advice this morning on this subject because I do believe that having good men to lead the Lord's church is very important. If the church is to grow and if the church is to remain strong in the future, I tell you this because there will come a time when this congregation will need new elders. And that will happen because of age. We can't, as Jerry said in his lesson this morning, we can't stop time. Time goes on. But I want to remind you to be careful when selecting these men. But first of all, make sure that these men do desire the office of an elder. And make sure that these men have good wives who will support them in this great work. And above all, make sure that these men are proven servants, men who are willing to take the time to serve. And be willing to select men who are uh, willing to work with the other elders and work with our deacons. This is very important if the church is to have peace and harmony. And we must be willing to do what is best for the congregation. Not necessarily what is best for them. Folks, I can truthfully say, I'm not bragging, but in my 44 years of serving this congregation, I have truly been blessed to have served with great elders. Elders who love the church and love their fellow men. I like to say I've never served with a bad elder. I've been blessed to have good men to work with me. And I'm thankful today for the three men that I served with. Brother Jerry Corbin, Brother Carl Harris, and Brother Bill Greer. Oh yes, we have different opinions sometimes. We don't argue a lot, but we say, well, maybe this will work, maybe that won't work. But we always come out of that meeting with a decision as what's best for the church. And that's what a good elder is. I'm thankful for that. 
Now, folks, I am happy to say that we do have some very good men here at Saudi who I believe will make good elders. I believe that they will be able to carry on this good work. So let me encourage each one of you to tell these men that you think would be a good elder to make sure that they prepare themselves for that great work. And I want you to help them realize that they are needed in the Lord's church if the church is to remain strong in the future. So in closing this morning, let me remind each one of you once again, preachers are servants, elders are servants, deacons are servants, and really all Christians are servants. So if we want to pattern our life after Jesus Christ, we must be willing to serve as best we can. The lesson is now yours. Now we know that Romans 10, uh, 3 and 23 says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But folks, we can be thankful that God has provided a way for us to be forgiven for our sins. And really that plan is found in God's holy word. In Romans 10 and 17, the Bible says that we must be able to hear that word to be able to understand what we must do to become a Christian. Hebrews 11 and 6 says we must believe, believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Acts seventeen thirty says we must be willing to repent, turn away from the life we're living, and live our life for Christ. We must be willing to confess in ten thirty two, confess the sweet name of Jesus. Then Mark 16 and 16 says we must be baptized in water for the remission of our sins. Now, it could be there's someone here this morning who was once a faithful child of God. But you could have been overcome by the cares of this world. We want you to know that God stands ready to forgive you and take you back into his loving arms. If you're subject to this this morning, we want you to know that we stand ready to pray with you and for you that God will forgive you and make things right. So if you're subject in any way, won't you come while we stand and sing?